never got to hear him, especially Wednesday night. The other thing is I'd like to commend all of you that are here. Uh, it was broadcast all over Facebook that he wasn't going to be here tonight, and you're still here. So what that tells me is that you guys are good Christians, man. You love Jesus. You don't come to church just for the preacher. You come because you love the Lord, and that's good. And I'm glad you're here. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to open up with a word of prayer, and then you can go ahead and be seated, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your blessings, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to speak tonight. Lord, I pray that you bless each person that's here tonight. Prepare the hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help me tonight as I speak to be an encouragement, to say something that would uplift you and bring honor and glory to your name. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, as a child, I don't know how this thing's going to work. We've got stuff that will be on the board. I hope I'd, I'll stumble through it. You guys will forgive me if I mess it up. As a child, I was extremely fearful. I was a really scared little kid. And, and I don't mean scared of, of bullies. Uh, I, I was scared of the dark. I was so scared of the dark that I would go to bed before everybody else in the house and, and lay there squinched up trying to go to sleep, hoping I could go to sleep before my mom and dad went to bed and turned out all the lights. That kid up there in the right corner, that's me. I mean, I believe that there was a monster like that under my bed every night when I went to bed. I was a scary little dude. Uh, anything, movies, noises. I remember I slipped off to it. My mother doesn't know this. I slipped off over to a buddy's house and watched the Friday the 13th movie. If she watches this, I'll probably still get in trouble for that. But uh, I slipped off over to a buddy's house and watched Friday the 13th. And I remember watching the movie thinking, yep, I will never sleep again. This is, this is it. Uh, but fear, fear is something else. I, I'm really scared of dogs. I know that seems funny because those of you that know me pretty well know I coon hunt. I'm not scared of hounds. I guess I'm used to them. But big, and, and really, it's not dogs that I'm afraid of. It's, it's getting bit. <laughs> I'm not afraid of dogs. I'm afraid of them biting me. It's kind of like that guy said, I'm not scared of heights. I'm, 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 afraid, I'm not really afraid of falling. It's the sudden stop that scares me. Um, but fear, fear is something else. My dad is deathly afraid of snakes. You could chase him all over this property with a snake. Uh, I had an uncle that was just petrified of spiders. He was scared to death of spiders. So fear, fear is something else. But, you know, I think about some guys, some different instances in the Bible. I think about Gideon. Gideon narrowed his army. He whittled it down to 300 men. And the Bible talks about the army that he was going to face, the Midianites and the Amalekites, it said they numbered like their camels numbered like the sand on the seashore. That the men themselves looked like grasshoppers. There were so many of them, it didn't even give a numerical figure. It was just, couldn't even count them. Gideon's going to face him with 300 people. I got a feeling Gideon was nervous. I mean, you think about the 12 spies that went into Canaan, the first. Force recon group, I guess. These commandos that went into Canaan spying the land out. Those guys were probably a little bit scared. Uh, maybe the, uh, I think about David. As he walked down into the valley of Elah and faced a 10-foot giant with a spear bigger than his head. He had to be a little scared. What about the, the apostles? You know, I realize that we deal with a little bit of persecution and some struggles as Christians in today's age. 
But the apostles were getting stoned, crucified. Andrew was filleted alive, drugged down the cobblestone streets of Rome. James was thrown off of a building. Just the things that these guys faced were unimaginable. So I would say there was some fear. They were meeting in caves and underground meeting places and just the, the things that they went through in fear trying to avoid the persecution of the Roman Empire. What are you afraid of today? Now, you know, I, I don't really relate so much to the 12 spies and the even the apostles, I don't relate a lot to a 10-foot giant. I've never seen a 10-foot giant. I just, I can't imagine that. So it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. What are you afraid of today? What keeps you awake at night? Maybe it's, maybe it's family. You know, I could stand here tonight, and I could point out these pictures, and I could tell you something about every one of these pictures that, that, that grips me with fear. Got the picture there of my daughter and my future son-in-law. They're getting married in two weeks. And, and I, I'm a nervous wreck for them. I mean, I know they'll be okay. But I still fear for them. I worry about my daughter leaving home. We're not going to talk about that very much. Uh, my little one down here in the corner. Do I need to tell you that I worry about Sydney? She's 13 years old in eighth grade. I mean... I worry about my son, his girlfriend, man, the struggles and the difficulties that it is to live right as a young person in today's age. There's a lot of fear right there. What about you? What are you afraid of when it comes to your family? Do you have some fears? Maybe not just your family. Maybe it's not your family that worries you so much. Maybe it's your finances. I know that somebody in here tonight in this auditorium, you are one paycheck away from complete devastation. I understand that. I've been there. I'm not there now because if you don't have anything, you can't lose anything. <laughs> there's, some, there's some conveniences to being poor. You know, they can't take anything away from me. But I understand what that's like. Maybe it's not just the finances. Maybe it's some faults from your past that you deal with. And you fear those things creeping back up on you. I could stop here. I could set up a tent right here for myself and talk about this for hours. About things that I failed at and things that I... But you know what? That's the thing that gets me. It's not just the faults from the past. But the thing that really gets me is failure. I'm scared to death of failing. If, if I were a cat and failure were lives, I'm at like eight and a half, okay? I don't even have a hiccup left in me. I'm 41 years old. I do not have one more failure left in me, and I am scared to death of that. What scares you tonight? What are you afraid of? Maybe it's not failure before men. By the way, that one's going to get me in trouble. You know this is probably the last time I'm ever going to speak, but that's okay. If you guys didn't see that, there was a picture of Tim Tebow up in the corner crying there. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe the, you know, you've watched too much Walking Dead. Or maybe you've read too many Tim LaHaye books, I don't know. 
And, and the fear of the end of the world just scares you to death and you're not sure. Or maybe it's just the future in general. You don't know what's happened. Maybe you're a young person here tonight and you really hadn't got, you know, your life planned out. Or maybe things are not working the way they're supposed to work. Or they're not going the direction they're supposed to go. And you have no idea what the future holds for you and it scares you to death. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 12. As I said, I, I don't understand facing an innumerable army with 300 men. I've never had to do that. But there's some things that Abraham faces in Genesis chapter 12 that I can relate to. I can understand this kind of fear. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land I will show thee. I want to look at a couple things tonight. I want to look at what it was that God asked Abraham to do. There's a few things here that if you break down this verse, that God makes a request of Abram, before his name was changed here, and it's what God asked Abraham to do. The first thing that we see there, he says, get thee out of thy country. The first thing that he asked Abraham to do, he says, I want to separate you from the place that you are most comfortable. That had to scare Abraham a little bit. Here he is in Ur of the Chaldees, in early ancient civilization, Pretty much everything in, the, in civilization is right there in a close proximity. Abraham's living there. His father is, a, is an idolater, and history tells us that his father was a, 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 in the king's court and like a high priest and was a, a very prominent member of society. And Abraham was very, Abram was very comfortable in his setting. What about you today? Are you comfortable? Maybe you have established a place in society, in your community. You're very comfortable with that position that you're in, of where you're at in your community. You're the little league commissioner or the uh, uh, ladies auxiliary leader or you're the president of the PTA. And if you're any of those things, I have no idea who you are. I'm just throwing those things out there. But those are, those are good things and you've established a position in the community and you're not really prepared to give that up or move on or do anything different. Maybe it's not just a position. You know, down here in the corner, thats I don't know how well you can see that. That's the state of Alabama and that red highlighted spot there is Coleman County. I love this, Col this county. I really do. I love it. I love living here. I, I love the people here. I think we're kind of weird and kind of quirky, but I love us. I like my community. I like this spot. And I've moved a couple of times, and it makes me very uncomfortable. I want to come back every time I leave. I don't have any intentions of leaving anymore. And if God asked me to leave, it would make me very uncomfortable, and it would scare me. I don't want to leave anymore. God asked Abraham to leave what was very comfortable for him. Look at that guy climbing up the ladder in his promotion. Man, you got a career. Things are going well for you. You've been promoted a few times. 
What if God asks you to move and go somewhere else and do something else? How would you feel about that? Would that scare you? Would you be uncomfortable with that? You know, not only did, did God ask Abraham here to separate from the place that is most comfortable. And you know, the thing that keeps us there is it's attachments. It's attachments, things that we hang on to that are temporal, that will go away. But God asked Abraham to do something else. Not only did he ask him, in that verse he said, get thee out of thy country. But he also said, and from thy kindred. Not only that, but he asked him to leave the people that he was most secure with. Now, I live close to my mom and dad. They live just a few miles away from me. My relatives live here, aunts, uncles. I have nephews and nieces that live close into the area. I have friends here, people I work with, people I worship with. You know what? I'm very comfortable in this church. I like being where I'm at. I can't imagine if God asked me to uproot and leave here and go somewhere else, what kind of fear I would deal with if that's what God asked me to do. That's what he asked Abraham to do. He said, I, I, I want you to, to separate from the place that you're most comfortable. He said, I want you to get out of that country, Abraham, where you live. I want you to turn loose of all of your attachments, all of the things that are important to you, the things that you've ventured out in your life. I want you to turn your back on that, and I want you to leave. And not only the place, but I want you to leave all of those people as well. I want you to leave your mom and dad. I want you to leave your brothers and sisters. I want you to leave your best friend that you grew up and went to grade school with. I want you to leave everybody. And follow me. That's a scary thing. Not only did he ask him to leave the people that he was most secure with, but he said, and from thy father's house. He said, now, Lord, said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. He asked him to abandon financial stability. Now, you have to understand what we, un what we understand about Abraham and his father, and the community that they lived in, and everything that he had going on, these were really wealthy people. And Abraham gave him the deuces. He pieced him out. I'm gone, Dad. He would have never had to worry about a single thing. He had it made. All the, he couldn't have exhausted the wealth, no matter how much he tried, that his family and his dad and everything that he had coming, and he walked out on it completely abandon financial security. Let me ask you something. How many times has God asked you to move? Has God moved you in a way to do something? But you hung on to a place? You hung on to some attachments? And you wouldn't move for God? And I don't necessarily mean geographically. Maybe it's just a place in your life where you're at that God wants to put you somewhere else and you're not willing to move. You're not willing to go. Brother Chris and I were talking about this the other day, how that God at times will put you in a position to where, where you're at becomes uncomfortable because he wants you to move somewhere else. We don't do that because we're afraid. Not only does he ask you to leave those attachments, did he ask Abraham to leave the people that he loved? You know why we hang on to these people that we love so much? Because we want to feed off of their experiences. You understand what I mean by that? 
I want to go on Facebook and read about how God answered this person's prayer and that person's prayer. And I want to stand over on the side and go, yay, that's good. I want to stand in the dugout and go, man, hit a home run. But I'm too scared to get up to bat myself. We lack it personal experience because all we do is sit on the sidelines and we stay clinging to these people. We love where we're at and what we're doing and we would faint over in the aisle if God asked us to move and do something else. I can't go work in that other ministry. I'm happy in this one. God, What do you mean God wants me to start my own small group? I can't leave this small group that I'm in. Now God help you if you're in that situation. i got a great small group and I love it and I don't want it busted up. But hey, What if that's what God wants me to do? God's going to put you in some uncomfortable places. And the thing that keeps you from going forward for God is simply fear. The last thing we look at here, don't think we're nearly done, that's just introduction. (laughs) The last thing that we look at here that God asked Abraham to do was to start going somewhere that he didn't even know what the destination was. He told him, he said, Now now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't even give him an address to punch into MapQuest. He just said, Abraham, start moving, and I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham packed up and started headed out. Why are you afraid to not? Why are we afraid and do we fear so many things? And we read this story about Abraham right here. You know, it's some 4,000 years later. And little children, I assume they do. But I know when I was a little child, we sang the song, Father Abraham... Hath many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. 4,000 years later, we're still singing about Abraham. Why is that? Will they sing about you 4,000 years from now? Is there any chance that you could do something for God that would amount to something that would be great enough that they would sing a song about you 4,000 years from now? Let me tell you what separates Abraham, what makes him different. And I think this is exactly why we're afraid to not. Here's, this, is, this sums it up. Do you know why you're afraid to not? Because you don't believe. It's just that simple. You don't believe. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And verse 3 says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God. That's what verse 3 says. You look down in, chapter, in verse 20, it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was, also, he was able also to perform. So I ask you not, why are you afraid? And I answer that question 
with a simple answer, we don't believe. We don't have the same belief that Abraham had. You see, when God spoke to Abraham and he told him to leave the place that you're most comfortable, leave the people that you feel the most secure with, abandon all of those financial securities that you have, and start out on this destination that you have no idea where it's going to end up. What was it that made Abraham able to do all of those things? He believed God. Now, I go back to the things that we talked about earlier. Why is it this evening that we fear for our family? Can you pull that slide back up? I don't know if you can go back. Oh, man, that's great. This guy's a genius up there. It's a good job. Why is it that I fear for these people in this picture so much? Yeah, but I, I really, the real struggle I have is believing God. You see, because if I truly believed Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it, then I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. I'd just follow the principles of the Bible and what God's told me is true, and I'd know that it's going to turn out exactly how God told me it would. You know what? I've been married 24 years. There's my wife sitting right there. I still wonder sometimes if we're going to make it. <laughs> not really. Well, maybe a little bit. Do you know why? Do you know why I wonder that sometimes? It's real simple. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Guess what? When I love that woman right there and I put her first and I sacrifice for her and I care more about her than I do myself, I have no problems. I don't have any fears. I don't have to worry about anything because I've done exactly what the Bible told me to do and I can believe what God told me so I have nothing to worry about. Daddy, let me ask you tonight, at night, when the kids are tucked into bed, and it's real quiet, your wife's already asleep, the only thing you can hear is the air conditioner kicking on and off, what are you scared of? What grips you with fear? What keeps you awake at night? Mother, let me ask you this, when you drop the kids off at school in the afternoon, or in the morning, and you're on your way to work, it's just you in the car, and you start to get nervous, and you think about this thing and that thing. And What is it that scares you so bad? What are you afraid of? Is it, maybe it's not family for you. Maybe it's finances. You just can't figure out how in the world that you're going to keep this thing put together. Let me tell you something. If you truly believed Philippians 4.19 that said, My God shall supply all your needs, you'd have nothing to worry about. Not one single thing. Now, I want you to keep in mind. Let's think about this. Do you guys know who wrote Philippians? The Apostle Paul. Do you know where that he wrote Philippians from? He's sitting in a Roman dungeon. He didn't write that from the Ritz-Carlton. He's sitting in a Roman dungeon, and the thing that he's really excited about is that they've brought him a couple of coats. And he said, my God shall supply all of my needs. And we're tore up. And we're mad because we can't pay for all the upgraded channels on our direct TV. Why are you afraid tonight? If you truly believed in your heart that God would supply your needs, you'd have nothing to be afraid of. 
You'd not have one single thing to worry about. But the problem with us today and this society and this modern-day Christianity that we live in, we are scared to death because we don't believe. We're not hiding in caves and meeting in underground meeting houses, scared for our lives. We're worried about whether or not we're going to get the seat in the auditorium that we want. Or are we going to have to scoot in because our auditorium's too small to seat everybody? What are you afraid of tonight? What really scares you? Are you afraid tonight of your faults from the past? Now, you know, <clears throat> I do a lot of counseling with alcoholics and drug addicts. And those of you that heard my testimony, you know what I've been through. If you haven't, go back in the archives and watch it. That's, I don't want to talk about that tonight. <laughs> but there's two people I can't help. And one of those two people is the, the, the people who will not lay that guilt down. It's almost impossible to help them. Do you know why we're so riddled with that guilt and the guilt of our past? Why we're so fearful from those things creeping back up on us? It's very simple because we don't believe Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 that tells us to forget those things that are in the past and press forward. We don't believe Psalms chapter 103 and verse 12 that says, As far as the east is from the west... So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. We don't believe Jeremiah 31 verse 34 that says, For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Because if we really truly believe that God was going to forgive us for our past shortcomings, we would never let those things drag us down again. We would drop that guilt off and we'd leave it right there and we'd press forward for God. You know the terrible thing about guilt? The people that I feel the most guilt about from my past mistakes are the very people who want me to be happy more than anybody else. You see how counterproductive that is? I feel guilty about this person, and that's the person that wants me to be happy, and the reason that I'm unhappy is because of my guilt. It's insanity. But the reason we don't put those things down, the reason that we let those things creep back up on us is because we just don't believe God. We don't believe that He really does forgive us for the things that we've done. You know, I said that, that if I were a, a cat and failure realized, I feel like I'm at eight and a half. Now, I'm, I, I say that for comedic relief, but if I could be transparent with you tonight, I'm honest with you that my fear of failure grips me. That's what I lay awake at night and listening to the heat kicking on. After everybody's gone to sleep, sometimes if I'm sitting in my chair by myself, I think about and I fear failing and letting somebody else down again. I fear that the things that, that, that I have thrown my gauntlet down and said that I'm going to do and I'm going to be successful at this and this is what I want to do with the rest of my life, I'm afraid that I'll fail at those things and I won't succeed and, and, and be what I hope to be and make something out of the mess of my past. And those fears scare me to death. But you know what? 
if I really believed 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6 where it says, Humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You see, if I'd stop trying to orchestrate all this stuff myself, and I'd stop trying to hold it together and make it all piece together just right, and I'd just get humble and believe God, he would exalt me when, it, when he was ready to. But you see, I, I somehow fail to believe God can figure that out, and I think i got to help him. I just don't believe. That's what causes me to fear failure. Because if I humble myself and I believe God, there's no way I can fail. It's not possible for me to fail. Because God said right there, if I would humble myself, that he would exalt me. We struggle with believing the things that are in God's word. The things that he tells us right here in plain black and white. We struggle with really wrapping our minds around those things. There are people in here tonight that really, you honestly, you, you fear for the future. You don't know what's going to happen, where you're going to go. where you're. Go Some of you don't know where you're going to stay tonight when the service is over. There are, I, I would say with this many people in here, there are people that are, that are that scared about the direct future. Some of you are scared about, you know, what am I going to do? What, you know, I need to go back to school. I need to get some kind of education so I can get a career. I can do something with my life. Some of you fear. Some of, there's, there are folks here that are slipping up on retirement age, and you have no idea what you're going to do. Am I ever going to be able to retire? Am I going to have to work till I'm dead? The future scares you to death. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 10 says, But it's now made manifest... By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. You know, when it's all said and done, we're going to heaven. We've read the last chapter. We know that Jesus is coming back in glory. We know that we win in the end. And when it all boils down to it, we know what happens. So what do we have to be worried about in the future? What is it that grips you in fear and makes you so nervous? Do you really believe that God will supply your needs and take care of the things that, that you need? Do you believe that God in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that God will direct you and lead you in your life? I ask you tonight, what is it that you're afraid of? And last of all, Brother Kendrick's going to be mad at me. He asked me to go long tonight, and I said, I'm not going long. As a matter of fact, it's going to be short. So if you guys have children in TSM, you might as well, they better fire the coffee back up. <laughs> the worst thing you can do when you're speaking, and it looks like it's going short, is to try to drag it out. What do we do? How do we alleviate this fear? Well, the first thing you do is be patient. Now, I'm not talking about standing in line at the grocery store and not getting mad because you're having to stand in line. Biblical patience is when you continue to do the difficult things. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your 
faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You see, when we continue to do the things that we're supposed to do, we stop sitting in the dugout cheering for somebody else, and we get up and swing the bat. And we stop doubting everything that God has showed us to be true in the Bible. We start taking some of those steps of faith out there and believing that God is going to do what he said he would do. And you continue to do that. That's patience. And then the ultimate. I'll tell you this. I'll share this personal testimony with you. Two weeks ago, Sunday before last, we come to small group. Now let me have, if you can, I'd like to put a little commercial in here if I could. All right? If you're not in a small group, I know you get sick of hearing about it. I did too. All right? Everybody, if I see one more cheery post on Facebook about how you have the best small group, I'm probably going to resort to some, well, I've already had to ground myself from Facebook for about two years because I didn't know how to act on it. So I guess I'm not going to do that. But Small group's all about coming meeting with some people who are like-minded, your age, maybe have children your age, you have similar issues and problems, and there's just something about when you sit down with a group of people who struggle with the same things that you do, and I know, I know, I don't like sitting in a circle and singing kumbaya either, but I'm a little bit cynical, but they've sucked me into this small group thing. And now, (laughs) I'm in small group two weeks ago, and uh, I've got my laptop there, and I'm taking the prayer request down on it, you know, because it's easier, and I can post it. We have a small group page, so we can say all that cheesy stuff, and only we can see it. So we do that. We just don't let everybody else see it. But it came time for me, my prayer request. I said, I- I've got a friend who's in a really bad situation at work, and, uh, and I'd like you to pray for him. And I-, I gave his name, and they put his name down. And I'll be honest with you. I was just trying to muster up a prayer request because I wanted to have a prayer request on there. Should I tell them that? I probably shouldn't say that, should I? But, but then as I'm selling, telling about that one, I thought about, oh, yeah, I forgot. Those of you that know, I had a, a cousin a few weeks ago. A few, it's been about a month ago. She committed suicide. It's a really bad scene, very dysfunctional family. Just, it's a very difficult situation. And so I said, you know, Put, put my family on there, pray for this, for this family here, bad situation, you know. So I had my two prayer requests for going to the next person. Now, they were legitimate prayer requests. I really wanted to pray for it, and I, I was sincere about that. But while we're at small group praying about my two prayer requests, and, of course, everybody else's, my aunt is at church that night in that family that I, sit, that I put down the prayer request about getting saved. The guy that I prayed for about his job situation, two days later gets a call and says, hey man, I need to talk to you about a job. And he had been fasting all day that day, begging God to do something about his job situation. Our small group's praying for him. Somebody calls him, tells him, hey, I need you to come to work for me. Crazy. Do you know what that did for my faith? I have two prayer requests. I put them on there. We talk about it in small group. And bam, both those prayer requests are met. God answers both of those prayers. It's all about patience, continuing to do the right thing. What's the right thing? We pray about these needs. We take our petitions before the Lord. We meet together and we agree on things and we hold ourselves up together and we pray one for another. 
We keep doing those things because they're the right thing to do. Do you know what happens to your faith when you do that? It goes up, fear goes down. Just that simple. When you see God work in your life, you see the positive things that he'll do in your life because you're faithful and you keep doing what you're supposed to do. Faith goes up, fear goes down. And pretty soon you're like Abraham and you believe God. You're fully persuaded that God can do exactly what he told you he would do because you've experienced it. You've seen it. And the other thing that, that you have to do, if you want to see your faith increased, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 tells us exactly what to do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith will not be increased as long as your Bible is laying on the bookshelf. It's just, I don't know how to give you a simpler, more clear-cut formula for an increase of personal faith. Get in the Scripture and read it. Inundate yourself and your thoughts and your life with this book and watch God bless what He told you. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Lord, is this the right kind of person for me to be dating? If he gives you the green light, you proceed. If he, through the Holy Spirit, puts it upon your heart that that's not the direction you should go, and you honor him and you do what you're supposed to do, God will bless that. What happens then? Your faith goes up. You honor the Lord and you allow him to direct your paths. had a great testimony the other night. Some folks talking about a house that they wanted to buy, and they really wanted this house, and it was in a great neighborhood and good schools, and they could afford the house, and for one reason or another, it never could close. They never could get things worked out on the house, and, you know, a week before they were supposed to close, the house gets demolished in a storm. Had they have closed on time, it would have been their stuff in that house getting demolished. Two months later, they found a house in the same area that was a bigger, nicer, more modern house, newer house, same money. Much better. Because they trusted God. They allowed God to lead them. Listen, why are you afraid tonight? Why do you fear? Same reason I do. Same reason we all in here. There's only one answer to that question. You don't believe. If we believed what God said about the difficulties in our life, if we got in this scripture and we searched out what God had to say about the hard times and the problems and the things that we struggle with, and we honored God and we followed his principles, we would have nothing to be afraid of. Why am I afraid for my family? It's usually my fault. Just like I told you with my wife, the reason I struggle with my wife is because I'm probably not loving her like Christ loved the church. But I do what the Bible tells me to do. seems to all work out. Why am I afraid about my finances? Well, I don't know. Because I'm not making wise decisions. It's amazing to me. If you sit and talk to a person long enough that's having financial difficulties, they didn't follow the principles, the biblical principles about finance. They get themselves in a jam, they get themselves in a pickle, and now all of a sudden they want to fall down on their face and start begging God to bail them out. Well, he may not bail you out of your bad situation. It may not happen that way. But in the future, if you follow his principles, do what he tells you to do, 
you won't be in that bad situation anymore. And God's still true, and you still don't have to be afraid because you're doing what he told you to do. All the way down the line, all of those things that we talked about, the answer to it is right here in the scripture. And in closing, here's, do you remember the story? It's in a couple of the gospels in Luke chapter 9. This man comes to Jesus. He's got a little boy. Has an unclean spirit. Jesus he tells Jesus, he says, look, he said, uh, I, brought this, I brought my son to the disciples. There was nothing they could do for him. Jesus asked me, he said, how long has he been like this? He said, since he was just a child. This kid's tearing at himself, this young man, and foaming at the mouth and falling around on the ground. And Jesus tells the man, he says, do you believe I can heal him? You know I can heal him. All things are possible if you'll believe. He said, Jesus, I believe but help thou my unbelief. You see, the great thing about God is when we don't believe and we can't muster up the faith. You know, do you realize that we didn't have the faith to get saved? We didn't have the faith. God gave us that faith. It was imputed to us. I don't have the faith to trust God with those people sitting right over there. I just don't. My family's sitting right over there. I, I, I'm just too scared. But you know what? When I get in the scripture and I read what he says, that he loves me and he cares about me, and he cares for my family and my hurts and my problems and my fears, and I trust in him and I keep persevering and I'm patient, I see God work these things out in my life. And my faith goes up. And my belief in God goes up. And when I'm struggling, I just say, God, help me with my unbelief. I know you can do this, but I'm having a hard time with it. Please help my unbelief. Not only will he help us with our shortcomings, not only will he help us in the areas that we need help, but in the areas that we don't even have enough belief, he'll give us that too. So why are you afraid tonight? Whatever that fear is, get in the scripture. Search out what God says about it. And then do what Abraham did. Be fully persuaded that God is able to do exactly what he said he would do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for these people that come tonight and are faithful to be at church on Wednesday night, even when our preacher's out of town. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each home that's represented here. Lord, I know in a, in a group this size that there are people tonight who are struggling, who are having a difficult time. Lord, I pray that you'd give them a special measure of grace tonight. I pray that you'd make yourself real to them and help them, Lord, with their unbelief. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Increase my faith. Help us as a church, Lord, to be fully persuaded that you can and will do exactly what you said. And we'll praise you and we'll honor you for the great things you do for us. Lord, I ask you tonight to bless our preacher. I'm sure he's still going right now, Lord, and I pray that you'd lift him up. That you give him unction, that you give the, that the Holy Spirit would have free reign in the service that he's preaching in right now, Lord. And then when he travels to his next location and then back home, Lord, I just beg you to keep him safe and return him back to us, Lord. Thank you for Temple Baptist Church and what this place means to me and my family. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight.